This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Jabroni, J-A-B-R-O-N-I-X-Y-Z-A-B-C. Oh, it doesn't matter, you spell jabroni. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Two Jabronis with a Wrestling Podcast. BJ Cruz here with my tag team partner. He's back. People thought I super kicked him through the window finally and left him for dead, but he is here rocking the NWO shirt again, the incomparable Jeremy Loss. Jay, what's up, dude? I was acting like Sting and just kind of sitting in the rafters during that show with Louie, and yeah. now I'm just coming back down. So it's good to be back. You, you, did, you did pop in like Sting from the, from, from the top. Yeah, just for a minute, and then I and then I use the harness all the way back up to the absolutely. To the yeah, you, so, made, you yeah. made a little cameo. It was dope. Uh, <laughs> we are of course brought to you by our the best podcast network in the world, Blue Wire, and our friends over at BetOnline.ag. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts, and if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And as always, if you're feeling spicy, leave a review. And for our Spotify people, I didn't shout you out. Uh, when I was doing the show with Louie because I forgot um, people were upset. Again, these uh, the non-Apple podcast people. They're uh, it's a strong flock. So uh, if you're on Spotify, hit that follow. We uh, we, we love you as well. And uh, YouTube, subscribe, like right here, yeah, I think. Hit that somewhere red button right here. somewhere around here. Make sure you also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at 2 Pod. You can follow me at Jeremy A. Loss, and you can follow Ben at Cruise Control. That is Control with a K. All right, everyone. It's uh, we we've got a great great guest on. This has been a long long time coming. We're very excited to finally have him on. Um, so it is now time for the main event. And for this week's main event, we have one of the best wrestling minds and also NBA minds on Twitter has finally joined the show again. This has been a long time coming. He's it's like he's been one of our biggest supporters from the get go. Uh, so we we owe a lot to to this dude, the legendary Ryan Anderson, aka at Gully Blanchard. What's up, my dude? What's going on, guys? How you guys doing? You know we're uh we're we're hanging in there. It's uh, <laughs> how are you? How, how are you dealing with uh this this whole COVID shelter in place situation? I have decided to torture myself and watch every WCW pay-per-view from beginning to end. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, so, 
<laughs> I am taking advantage of the time I have at home. Um, it, you know, I think like anyone, it kind of sucks when the weather's so nice to be inside the house. But any cure for the uh, the blues of that can be replaced by a Rick Steiner Chris Benoit match <laughs> from 1999. I tell you, <laughs> I think that is the cure for for everything. We should we should pitch that to uh, the higher authorities to see if that's the cure for COVID. I don't know yet. I think all I gotta do is hit up CDC and be like, "Look, guys, all you need is a good Lash Larue Disco Inferno match, and this whole thing will go away." Yeah, I mean. They haven't tried it, so they can't say it doesn't work, (laughs) you know, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, Impact Wrestling has tried it. I mean, they brought Disco back not too long ago. (laughs) That's right. So they did. So we should just in a feud with uh, Scarlet Bordeaux for a little bit. That's right. He he had a run. Let's just let's just bring him back. Let's call Disco. He's I'm sure he's free. He can make time. I don't really want to call this going for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ryan, uh, this, since this is your first time on the show, we, we the first question we like to ask everyone who joins the show for the first time is, what is your wrestling origin story? Because as everyone who listens to this show knows, Jeremy and I are children of the Attitude Era and WCW alike, the, <laughs> the stuff that you're watching right now. So what is it exactly that got you into this crazy, crazy universe uh, that we also loved so dearly so there's about four things i remember from the first 10 years of my life and one of them happens to be uh when my dad my mom and dad were still married um my dad would go bowling on fridays and my mom would get uh like chicken nuggets and pizza rolls and we would just sit there and we would watch um i think i'm sorry it was actually saturday because that's how we found wrestling we would watch Saturday night's main event together. And I just remember, I don't remember the first time I watched wrestling, but I remember one of the first times where I was blown away by it was the infamous angle with uh, Hogan, Savage, and Elizabeth when they were backstage and Elizabeth was on the, um, on like the doctor's table and Savage and Hogan. It was when the mega powers exploded. Right. The jealous eyes. And yeah, yeah the jealous eyes and all that stuff. And I just remember that feeling so real because there was something they had never done before. And then um, ever since then, like my dad um, still watches it to this day. And him and I, some of, that's some of our earliest memories watching it together. And then as I got older, it's just something that I think a lot of kids kind of checked out um, from like WrestleMania 9 to WrestleMania 12. And I think I did too. But, you know, with the internet and everything else, I got back in around the age of 13 and I'm 36 and I've been at it this whole time. So I remember like my seventh birthday having a WrestleMania themed birthday because uh, WrestleMania seven was on oh, my seventh yes. birthday. So oh, we had a, yeah. We, yeah, we had a bunch of kids over for like Hogan slaughter and uh, ultimate warrior macho and like all these other things. Like I remember for the longest time we still had the VHS tape and I have no idea where it is now. <laughs> Um, but I've just stuck with it ever since. Like I remember being really confused, uh, finding out Sting's real name wasn't Sting. Um, wait, it's not, I I know (laughs) I, I, I fought my dad on this for as long as I could as a kid. And then, um, I remember to this day, I'm still petrified of snakes because of, uh, the heel turn of Jake, the snake Roberts, when he locked the ultimate warrior in a room full of snakes. And to this day, I still, I can't watch that clip as hokey as it is. And I'm still deathly petrified of snakes. And um, most people over like 85 years old, but snakes is because of wrestling. Hey, that, that, that's a legit fear, man. Snakes are, yeah, that's no bueno. Uh, mine's not necessarily because of Jake, but snakes, uh, that, oh, 
God. I, I, I can't. I saw one outside my house like a few weeks ago. I almost considered selling it. The house, just as a whole. You should. <laughs> yeah, as, as well, you should. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely terrifying. Uh, so, g- going from s- such great memories that you, that you just shared there to, uh, we have to talk about what's happening now, just kind of with the world of professional wrestling, specifically WWE. Uh, it's it's all a bit of a mess, unfortunately, and um, th- this whole situation with all the the new positive uh covid tests test results that have come back for them has and and the way they've dealt with it i mean the the positive tests were kind of an, an inevitability the way they've responded to it has been nothing short of embarrassing um so i i did want to talk to talk about that with with both of you guys um just just kind of before we get into you know the nitty gritty here and, and the finer details of everything just i just want to take your each of your temperatures about like how are you feeling about wrestling right now it's it, it, it's not it's not great but I, I just wanted to take both of your temperatures and see how you're feeling on that so i haven't been this down on wrestling in a very long time it's um it, in, in with the covid situation and obviously with everything coming out with the speaking out hashtag and you're seeing the the nastiness that has gone on behind the scenes that, that women are now feeling empowered to, to speak up. And that's great. But um, it just, it's making me feel a little grimy. Um, And I'm trying really hard to kind of just be a fan and enjoy it. At the same time, I can't look at this product in the same way that I was looking at it three, four months ago. So um, it's been challenging for me these last few weeks to actually get reinvested in the product, whether it's WWE or AEW, because they both have their issues in handling all of these situations. You know, for me, I, I've told myself, you know, like I said earlier, I'm 36. I've been through just about every era, and I've always told myself, if I can get through great Kali and Kane at WrestleMania, I can get through <laughs> just about anything in pro wrestling. Um and I've often checked my morals at the door uh, as far as, you know, wrestling's uh, issues with, you know, racism or, uh, you know, homophobia or what have you with certain characters. I've always kind of been able to have that line to where it's like, yeah, that's the character, not the person. Just these past couple of weeks, I've always been a staunch, you know, supporter of pro wrestling. Like I was wearing pro wrestling shirts when it wasn't necessarily the most popular thing to do. And, you know, Ben, you and I have talked about that on my pod where, there's kind of that certain brotherhood when you see someone in a wrestling shirt, but now it just feels really gross to be a, you know, a wrestling fan. And especially now with, you know, there's not really fans in the stands. The product is not as enjoyable to me as it once was. And I am as big a fan of pro wrestling as I've ever been. I just feel like my fandom of current pro wrestling in 2020 is definitely something that is waning away. And I don't know if it's going to take a couple good storylines once we get fans back to bring that back. I'm not quite sure, but I can't tell you the last three hour Monday night raw that I sat through. I can't tell you the last AEW show that I've sat through and I've tried, but I find myself rewatching stuff that I enjoy more. Um, You know, I talked earlier about watching old WCW things or, you know, stuff like the last ride or dark side of the ring that are still pro wrestling based but it's not necessarily pro wrestling in 2020 and it just feels 
really uncomfortable to be, you know, a wrestling fan. I think probably all three of us have had to defend our love of pro wrestling to people that don't get it. And it's always been kind of like, oh, it's fake or, oh, they're on steroids. But now some of the criticism is like, these are, you know, creepy men in pro wrestling or, you know, this is stuff where people's health and COVID that it's like, well, I don't really want to defend people's criticism from that. So it just feels really uncomfortable to be a modern day pro wrestling fan. You know, I remember around the time of WrestleMania, I think I saw it on Twitter. Someone said something along the lines of the WWE documentary kind of about the lead up to WrestleMania is going to make an amazing documentary like in future years, whenever they decide to make that, you know, it was the first WrestleMania that was two nights. It was the first WrestleMania without an audience. Like it's all this craziness, all this build up to it. And yeah, I still think that that will be a documentary. The dark side of the ring episode <laughs> that covers oh, both, boy. you know, this, 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 the speaking out movement. And then this, the, uh, everything that's happened with COVID, uh, and just the way they've, they've handled it is, the dark side of wrestling that Ryan, like you said, for better or worse, we kind of just push all that stuff to the side in, in, in hopes that the, the positives of this, you know, universe that we thrust ourselves into the positive will outweigh the negatives. And, and it's just really, really hard right now. Uh, you know, like my wife likes to ask, you know, what, what's, what's going on? Like she, she, her, her big thing is, um, the Bellatwin show on E. Like she loves that show. Won't My sit show, down. <laughs> yeah. We should have you on her her and you on to do a recap <laughs> us on everything. But she she watches it religiously. She DVRs it, but she won't like watch uh, you know, three hour episodes of Raw with me because she has much, much better things to do. But she'll ask occasionally because because she knows I do the pod, like, you know, what's what's what are you talking about this week? What's happening? Or like cause if I'm on Twitter. And it's just gotten really hard to explain to her, like, hey man. This guy said some really shitty things about or or did these awful things to this girl. And you're like, you know, I, I've had those moments just kind of sitting there at my computer or talking to my wife where I'm like, this is this is not fun. Like, this is not what I signed up for when I was eight. You know, well, like you, you even have you have the real life things going on. But then you have like the storylines that they were doing with Seamus and Jeff Hardy that are just right. Like, just tasteless in tasteless like they're bad taste all around and it's not enjoyable to watch and so even before like the the speaking out movement took place and and covid really hit hard at wwe like they were going down the wrong path um and and the fact that the crowd isn't there just really doesn't make it enjoyable to watch it's dead to me it's like there's no everybody just seems like they're going through the motions and you can kind of tell that like everything is just you can almost like follow along the script. It just doesn't feel natural. Um, and it just really kind of kills the product. You, for me. you mean you didn't think that thank you taker chant on SmackDown tonight was natural? <laughs> I don't know. But did you see creepy uh, ass chant in the back? Just like he was like half assed. Yeah. Him and Cesaro time. were like, not a fan. him and Cesaro were like, screw this. Um, you know, the, the one person that I think has, has drawn the most attention uh, within the past couple of days has been Renee Young. So she, uh, put it out on, I believe it was two nights ago that she tested positive for COVID, which was actually kind of a, it was the second event where you knew some, something was up because Moxley had pulled out from, uh, from the dynamite show on Wednesday as well. 
and you know he said he had come into contact with someone and then obviously it was revealed that it was renee uh, the details on this uh are <laughs> it's it's a bummer first of all i'm a big renee they're, young they're troubling to be yeah. honest like they're there's troubling i'm a big renee young fan uh so first of all hope she gets better soon uh from everything that i've read she's moving down that path but obviously with this with this thing you just never know um and according to you know the wrestling observer uh this this was actually sent to us by our friend uh double g from from the fight game media pod um on on june 22nd renee started to get sick and obviously she kind of had all the classic symptoms fever uh pressure in her chest uh you know lost started losing sense of taste and then uh she got a test tested positive the fact that none of the executives, Vince, or anyone like in his circles, like reached out to her so far, is one of the most disturbing things that I've heard about this whole situation. Like, how are you not reaching out to someone to see if they're okay? Right? Like, if anyone like on my Twitter timeline who like I know in not even that close of proximity was like, "Yo, I got this," shooting a DM, being, like, "Yo, are you good?" Like, if you need anything. Vince for for him not to like hit up his employees and to and to think that he can like overcome this this disease or this virus is just it's so backwards. It's just so backwards and disturbing to me. To me, the one that made me feel the most uncomfortable was hearing about Kayla Braxton because I had read somewhere that she had had it twice. Mm-hmm. So the fact that like and this was something that you know and, and I don't keep up with the COVID stuff you know twenty four seven like a lot of other people do. I have sort of my basic principles is just, you know, stay inside, wear a mask and try not to go anywhere, be around people that you think might have either been infected or what have you. All good things. But the, yeah. Good, but the fact things. that like she had the virus and then got it again, scared me as like a fan and a human being. Cause to me, I think we've kind of been, we've been kind of taught like, okay, you get the virus self quarantine for 14 days, you know, assuming you're in good health, you should be good to go and live a normal life again. But for someone like Kayla to get it twice, it just, it's such a scary thing that I think, I don't know if it's something where, you know, WWE isn't taking it seriously or if it's the people in charge that aren't. But, you know, these are your employees that are testing positive and testing positive on multiple occasions. And the fact that Kayla, you know, we never really heard about the first test, or at least I didn't. Like, I didn't know that Kayla was sick the first time. So how many people was she around? the first time and how did she know that you know was there something where she knew she was positive and was self-quarantined and we didn't know about it or like how does that happen where someone tests positive and we don't find out about it until the second time yeah i mean there were stories going around that like kevin dunn who is a main fixture in the backstage it didn't think that this was a big deal like didn't think the coronavirus was a big deal and actually instructed people to like remove their masks that were uh ringside of the fans that showed up that were family and friends because they were inviting family and friends to the actual tapings which is problematic because you're just opening yourself up to a wave of people that you're not uh seeing every day and that they're they may be interacting with other people so they were setting themselves up for this problem um and they just didn't take it seriously, which really does not surprise me considering Vince's connection with Donald Trump and, and their way of thinking about this virus. Sure. And, um, it just, it lacked a sense of 
their the response to everything lacked a sense of urgency. It lacked a sense of compassion. Um, they were doing 12 hour tapings and they were doing them like every two to three nights. That's highly dangerous. So they were doing things that just were thumbing their noses up to uh, health officials just saying, we can go ahead and get away with this because one, we're the WWE, but two, we're in Florida, which was lackadaisical in everything when it came to COVID. And now you're seeing record spikes in that state to the point now that I'm fearful that the NBA is not going to not going to um, come back in July. I think they're going to end up like nixing this here soon. Um, so, I mean, this whole thing, the way that they've handled it, they just thought they were basically above the above the law here. They, they just thought that they can get away with this because they could do whatever they wanted because they were the WWE. And it's really a, it's, it's a shame. And it's put a lot of lives in danger to piggyback off that. I mean, just to show the amount of arrogance that they had about this and, and how they didn't take it seriously, they were already planning live events with fans, right? Like, uh, you know, continuing on that report from The Observer, they had contacted a private company, uh, eight, an 8,000-seat arena, and like they would have followed all these social distancing rules, this, that, and the other. Uh, but they were they were pushing for that to happen as early as like what was it july and and now i think they're like july, oh maybe yeah or august and that just that just shows the arrogance right like if this renee thing doesn't happen if if this last batch of positive tests doesn't happen or or it doesn't get out i should say you best believe they're still targeting that july august date time frame to have these live shows with like 8000 or however many thousand people in there endangering their lives endangering the lives of their talent um it's 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 really hard there's a lot of things that i've i've been able to figure out ways to at least defend wwe or you know rationalize their their form of thinking this one is just i i i can't you know and, and that's that's so disheartening from the fact of like 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 Jay, you said earlier when you're kind of watching it, I, like there was a great eight man tag on tonight on SmackDown. The whole time I'm just thinking, this is so grimy. <laughs> like all of them know a bunch of their friends have tested positive for this this virus, and now they have to go out there and perform uh, for for what to put themselves at risk. Like they they all have families. Some of them have kids. And it's it, this is such a strange, strange is a, a nice way of putting it. it. It's a shitty situation, like across the board, and it, it's it's so frustrating to to watch develop. And I think one thing with WWE that we've always been conditioned to know, and this goes back to, you know, the the death of Owen Hart or the unfortunate deaths of guys like, you know, Eddie or you know Benoit or other wrestlers that have passed. There's always sort of this mentality that the show must go on and right. the show doesn't stop and stuff like this. So to see that there's this, this global pandemic that's attacked pro wrestling and to see, you know, the arrogance of WWE that is sitting there and being like, Hey, we know that these 24 people have tested positive or two dozen or what have you. And we're still going to put on live shows. It just seems incredibly irresponsible to the talent. And, you know, for me, even being like, an Eagles fan or a Kings fan, I'm at peace if neither one of those seasons come back this year because it's not worth it. Like I, you know, I love traveling to sports games. I love going to to Giants games or 
you know, stuff like that. But to me, like, I'd rather sit at home and be healthy than go sit through, you know, a game at AT AT&T Park. And I think with WWE, there's just this arrogance of, like, this show must go on and the show must go on. It's like, hey, Vince, 20-some people tested positive, you know, for this disease. And I think it goes to show that the business model of WWE to where if all these people test positive, there's 50 people that are willing to step up and take their place as far as from a promotional standpoint. But you're right, though. It feels just incredibly uncomfortable. Like, I watched AJ against Matt Riddle last week, and I just felt really – it felt really dirty watching, like, those two guys wrestle, especially, you know, the allegations that, you know, are swirling around Matt Riddle and stuff like that. But this just isn't a product that on a week-to-week basis I'm willing to commit three hours of Raw, two hours of – smackdown you know two hours of aew and nxt like i would just rather watch other stuff when you combine a a grimy product and not only that a product that isn't entertaining and hasn't been entertaining from a story and character perspective in you know years like it's very easy for me to walk away from pro wrestling in 2020 yeah and i mean the i don't know if this is the cherry on top but that email from the anonymous, I believe it was an NXT talent who who sent an email out kind of exposing all the stuff that happened. And, you know, kind of the last paragraph uh, or last couple of lines of that email, I'll read it right now, kind of just speaks volumes as to like the vibe just in that place, right? And, you know, to quote the email, it's very unfortunate that WWE puts business first and the health and safety of everyone second. We will come together I cannot say the same thing about WWE management. The train is not only off the tracks, but has gone over the cliff in a blaze of glory. It's um, it's it, it's just a rough time, and that like that is a that is a harsh email. Um, and that's just yeah. that's just a little bit of it too. There's yeah. you should for those of you who are unaware of what I'm talking about, go read the email that was. Uh, sent out t- today from an anonymous NXT wrestler kind of about the whole situation. Um, that's the end of it. But sh- they go into a lot more detail about just kind of how WWE has gone to great lengths to sweep this under the rug and to try to keep this moving. Um, and, 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 you know, Vince just, he wanted to be the first guy to have a live audience. He just, he was just that arrogant. This incredibly deadly virus be damned he was going to do it he was going to do something that no one else could do or wanted to do <laughs> well it's like, it's funny like the two organizations that have kind of led this charge of maintaining business as usual throughout this whole thing just so happened to be like buddy buddies with the president in the ufc and right WWE. like you just have these two guys that are just thumbing their noses to health officials saying we're going to keep this going and they've both dealt with this exact same issue um ufc has had fighters test positive the week of fights like this this stuff um is going to continue to happen as long as you have organizations that are are not going to be paying attention to health officials and it's uh it's a really really shitty situation i commend um and i think we've done this we've talked about this before but i commend Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens to kind of like they they stood up for themselves and they decided they weren't going to show up. I know Kevin Owens has been on Raw a couple of times, but for the most part, they they found a way to avoid going back into work and and, and still maintaining their their dignity about this situation. So 
Um, I know some of the people in that locker room don't have the luxury of those guys because those guys are top guys in the company, but I like that they've kind of they've taken a stand there. So um, it is a really unfortunate situation for everybody involved. No, absolutely. Um, let's let's pivot real quick. Um, I, th- I think we've all made our, our <laughs> views on this particular topic very, very clear. Uh, and again, just to everyone who did test positive in WWE and, you know, across the world as, as more of these numbers come out, you know, just best wishes. Uh, please, please get better uh, quickly. Uh, the, the other piece of news I definitely wanted to talk about with you guys was uh, Impact Wrestling making some headlines last night. They uh, they fired the world champion, you guys. Uh, <laughs> Tessa Blanchard no longer employed with Impact Wrestling. Um, and I guess the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back was she didn't respond to a uh, like a, what was it like a video promo request to keep her storyline going, and uh, yep. I guess they were able to look the other way with the racism accusations. But this was this was the last straw. I mean, look, it, she she wasn't doing her job, so I guess once it started affecting the on screen stuff, that's when they kind of step in and be like, hey. Uh, this is actually affecting what's happening. Do you think, I mean, all signs kind of point to her heading to AEW, right? Just like she, her, her family freaking works for that company. I don't know. Um, because of the allegations surrounding her, she does have some heat with some of the, the women in the AEW locker room. I don't know if AEW will take a risk on that. She is an incredible talent. Don't get me wrong. She's what, like 24? Yep. Um, and one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. But she has a lot of baggage that I just don't know if a company is willing to make that leap at this moment. I think eventually, probably. But at this moment, I think she may end up doing something in AAA and staying in Mexico um, because that's where she's at now. That's where she so is now, yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm looking at where she's going to go in the very near future. You know, I think in its own weird way, like this is probably the most relevant impact wrestling has been in three, four, five years. Like, yeah. I'll be honest, <laughs> I have no idea where they are on my television. Um, I can't tell you what the last impact match I watched. I know I've heard good things about the talent. I've heard good things about guys like Chris Bay, um, wrestlers like Jordan Grace and Deanna Perrazzo just got over there. But I'd, I'd be lying to you guys if I said, you know, I'm, I'm interested in impact wrestling or that I watch it. But I think Impact doing this has made their has made their pay per view be one of the most relevant ones that they've had in a while. And we've all kind of grown up with, with everything being pro wrestling, and you believe something is a real life situation that it ends up working its way into a pro wrestling angle. And this just kind of reminds me a little bit of when WWE suspended Shawn Michaels um, pre WrestleMania ten. And it ended up being something that was big for Sean because it was like Sean and Razor to see who the real intercontinental champion was. It's just really hard for me to believe that this is, you know, that she's never going to work for impact again. Um, from what I've read, she's took in, she's been able to take a pretty good torch to her bridges with AEW and WWE. Sure. That's I true. don't, I don't think AEW, I don't think she's really worth the risk in AEW. Cause I think, anyone that chooses now to sign her is basically telling their fans, Hey, we're choosing to sign this person that has, you know, pretty heavy racial baggage. And it's not just from one person. This has been corroborated by a lot of different, you know, independent uh, women pro wrestlers and even wrestlers that are signed with 
WWE and AEW. So I just wonder if this is going to be something that ends up being worked into an angle. Like I believe she was probably legitimately fired, but I also think that this screams, you know, a, a world champion, a champion versus champion match at AEW eventually. Um, so I'm interested. I don't think this is the end of her in impact. I don't know if she ends up in AAA because I think, you know, like Jeremy said, she's in Mexico now. Um, but if this does end up being, you know, completely legitimate, you know, kudos for impact. Because I think a lot of times in pro wrestling, the inmates sort of run the asylum. I think we've seen that in, in other companies before, especially the one I'm watching right now. So for impact to to be the aggressor and say, hey, we're going to take this championship from you and crown a new championship um, at Slammiversary in the face of everything that's been going on with not only Tessa, but Michael Eldon, I think it just speaks volumes for impact if it's legitimate. And if it's not, it ends up being probably one of their most exciting angles and an angle that might bring them back to the edge of relevance being North America. Yeah, Impact's had a weird couple weeks because they were on a pretty good hot streak for a while. Um, they were signing new talent. They were doing these tapings that were interesting and it looked like they were bringing back EC3. And then everything started to kind of snowball. I mean, they were right in the middle of the Joey Ryan situation as well. Like he wasn't a hot angle for them and now he is completely gone and they had to, they had to cut that out of there. The Michael Elgin situation, obviously with Tessa. So now it's kind of there. Slammiversary is kind of up in the air in terms of what they're going to do. Um, I, I kind of like your idea of them maybe working this into an angle because um, that could be something that really does kind of spark their interest. By the way, they're on Access TV. I have no idea where that's at on my on my cable provider, but they're on Access TV, and then eventually, and like, occasionally, they're on Twitch. It's really weird. I think Access for me is like in the high seven hundreds. I think that's right around like all the news channels and the destination Americas and all. I think it's like right. It's it. it's like right before the adult channels. You know, it's like it's a, it's a, it's a big jump. It goes access and impact, and then all the stuff that you don't want your kids to see. So just there was a run there. They were on like four different channels within one year. It was crazy. I, I do remember. That. I remember Destination America was one of them. Yeah, and they were on Pop TV. Yes. They were on. Um, Spike TV Spike for a little bit for as well. While, yeah. Like they've been on a just a wide array of channels, but it seemed like they were getting things back in order. But now it's it's kind of in flux again. I I saw this tweet yesterday come out. I thought it was really interesting. So it, it listed out the Impact World Champions of the Anthem era. So this is the the era after Dixie Carter. So they had Alberto Del Rio who was fired as champion. Eli Drake who was fired a year and a half after winning champion his his title. Pentagon Jr., who is now in AEW, Austin Aries, who is a scumbag and left the company at the end of his reign and then had that really public uh, temper tantrum after he ended up losing because he didn't. Oh, I remember that. He, like, yeah. He no, so he no, no, so yeah. Um, Johnny Impact, who's now in WWE again, Brian Cage, who's in AEW, Sammy Callahan, who's probably their biggest star, and then Tessa. So, like, they've gone through some shit when it comes to their world title. Um, it's like the Madden curse. Once you get that thing, it's uh, <laughs> it's not. It's well, not good have, for they you. have two like, like high level championships. They have the Impact World Title, and then they have the TNA Heavyweight Heavyweight World Title, which Moose carries around. Yeah, um, and it looks like Moose was going to get into a feud with EC3 again. So that would have been cool, but um, that's still yeah. happening, isn't it? But they they teased EC3's music. Um, was it last week? Two weeks ago? It was. 
two weeks ago. I just don't know what they're going to do because a lot of their plans have been like they have to like adjust them. Um, sure. So, so many of their talent were impacted in um, the speaking up um, kind of. Right. No, uh, no, no pun intended. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, I, it, it's just crazy to, to see I, like over the past couple of weeks or days, I should say, I've been watching just old TNA and Impact episodes uh, like Christian's debut. That's like one of my favorite things that they did. Uh, him, Christian winning the world title there over Jeff Jarrett. That, that ring, by the way, was just insane. That whatever five sided, eight sided ring. Six sided, yeah, six sided ring. It was way too many sides. It, it was it was very very confusing. Uh, but but it's always it's just always interesting to see like when you watch these videos, like young AJ, uh, young Samoa Joe, thin Samoa Joe might I say, as well. So it's, um, you know... Did you ever watch one of their, like, X Division matches where they had the X above yeah, the ring? Yeah, above the ring. Like, Ultimate X. Yeah. yeah. And they had to, like, crawl up to it. It was just... It's really awkward, but, like, man, they put on some fire matches with that thing. No, it was, it was... I always remember Elix Skipper from those. He would always do something <laughs> wild. You could find those... Look up old Elix Skipper stuff. And I was like, oh, man, how do you do that stuff? No, it's it, that's super wild. All right, Ryan, um... Before we get out of here, I, I do want some suggestions from you for us and our listeners. So you've been on a WCW binge. Uh, we 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 talked about it, and we will get you on to do a rewatch episode with us uh, ASAP. But for again, for make a suggestion. What is an episode of Nitro Thunder or a WCW pay per view that people need to check out and give us give us a match in there that is a big reason why. Um, I think one of the ones that gets forgotten is uh, Goldberg Perry Saturn. I'm drawing a blank on what show it is, but it's really early in Goldberg's run. Uh, Goldberg Perry Saturn, I thought was really good. I think it was the first uh, good Goldberg match that he had. I've done all the nitros. I haven't gotten all the thunders yet, um, but I think the, the early the early nitros um, were some of the most fun stuff that they did, like the first 10 to 15 episodes, because there was so much Pillman, there was so much cruiserweights and all yeah. that. So I think, you know, that's good for good pro wrestling. Um, if you want to have fun and laugh, the main event of Fall Brawl 99 was hilarious. <laughs> um Macho Man against Dennis Rodman was probably some of the worst wrestling I've seen in a really long time. Uh, Slamboree 99 made absolutely no sense. Uh, Super Brawl 98 was Hogan and Sting at the Cow Palace, and it was a really good match because for as much as people talk about how bad uh, the finish of Starcade 97 was, and it was, they still had a really hot crowd for that one. So I think if you want to watch fun stuff and you want to laugh, uh, pick pretty much anything from 99. Um, I'm watching Halloween Havoc right now, and it makes absolutely no sense. So um, <laughs> That's the best I'm kind, very, though. That's the best kind yeah, of wrestling. Like, I think, you know, with, with WCW, if you just tailor your expectations and you kind of go in just to laugh, I think that you're going to find a lot of good stuff. I think one of the funniest matches to me was uh, Halloween Havoc 96. Uh, the main event was Hogan and Savage. And it's not a good wrestling match at all. But Hulk Hogan comes down from the 
from the fans with the weirdest looking toupee on. So I can't <laughs> recommend you guys watching that one enough. Just the first 10 minutes, because he tried to play it off like there wasn't a toupee on his head. And it was it was utter hilarious to go back and watch. So you're like he pulled a Costanza. He was so just trying two to make it look I want like to touch on before we sign off. I want to touch on the fact that you didn't list any Mongo matches for the funniest things in <laughs> yeah. WCW because I I don't know if you follow along with I do. <laughs> that is the greatest. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad, but it's so bad that it's amazing. <laughs> Him and Reggie White. Oh, I think it was a slamboree. He wrestled Reggie White, and it is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Oh man, we were. I mean the 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 watch along that we were doing. He was with Kevin Green, and they were doing some training exercise. Like yes. they didn't wrestle at all, but like they were just training for something. And I, I mean, I haven't watched the Kevin Green matches, but I remember, I think Kevin Green was actually better in the ring than Mongo. He was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anything Mongo, that's just pure comedy. But I also wanted to just talk about Starcade 97 and kind of that build up to that Sting Hogan match. That had to have been probably the best uh, build by WCW. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, that whole Sting storyline was great. And then for it to end the way that it did, it just felt like a giant dud. And kind of like it, the, the wind left, left my sails after that. And I was not invested in that storyline anymore. But man, rewatching it, how, how have you been feeling about like that Sting Hogan storyline when they first kicked it off? Um, so I, um, I don't know if you guys have, have read or listened to this book. There's a book by Guy Evans called Nitro. It's pretty much the, one of the best wrestling books I've ever read or listened to in my entire life. Um, and he talks about that feud. And I think we've all kind of heard the ins and outs as far as from Bischoff about, you know, Hogan wasn't feeling really up to doing the job because of the, the shape that Sting was in. Um, but one of the funniest things about that match was at the end, and yes, the finish is really wonky and it's, wasn't a, it wasn't a fast count at all, at the end, and mind you, Sting hadn't spoken for 18 months. He had mastered that that sort of crow character where he just kind of hides and he repels and he attacks and he leaves. Sting hasn't spoken for 18 months. He beats Hogan for the title. The fan we all remember this the, the visual of the fans, you know, I'm sorry, the, the wrestlers, you know, filling up the wrestling ring and everyone's, you know, congratulating Sting and all these, you know, mid these mid-90s wrestlers are dressed awful with fanny packs. Sting gets in front of a live mic, gets in front of the camera, the hard camera to close out the pay-per-view, mutters something nonsensical, and then just yells the word mamacita. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I read it, I heard it in the book and I was like, I got to see this. So I get to Starcade 97 and I'm like, when does he do it? When is, like I was more interested in that than the actual match itself. And I had to replay it like five or six times because it's just one of the weirdest like character breaks in the world and then so i remember watching the nitro right after starcade 97 and there's no real issue about you know with sting there's no real thing going on there's no like with wwe like when austin wins the belt he's all over the product or when the guys win their first belt after a story they're generally all over tv the next pay-per-view after sting won it was sold out 98 Sting and Hogan were not really f- featured on that card. And then the match after that was Super Brawl, which was the rematch. You know, Sting wins, the crowd's hot or whatever. And then Sting only has the t- only has the belt 
for two months. He faces Scott Hall in like a really shitty ladder on a pole, or I'm sorry, stun gun on a pole match that doesn't make a lick of sense. And then he just loses the belt. So this is a guy who's chased the belt for 15 months, finally gets it, then he vacates it, then he gets it again and loses it in two months. And that's WCW for you in a nutshell. Yeah. Hell yeah. For life. (laughs) (laughs) And right now I'm watching Sid against Goldberg. And yeah, that's also not very good at all. What? I'm shocked by that statement, Ryan. That's that's blasphemy. uh, It's it's not good. Hogan (laughs) Warrior was probably one of the worst garbage matches I've ever seen. Uh, Stevie Ray against Vincent makes total sense why WCW went out of business. Wow, shots at Stevie Ray on the way out. That's that's no, that's... it's shots at Vincent. I, I'm okay. I don't want any problems with Stevie Ray. That wasn't Stevie Ray's fault. Yeah, Stevie Ray's a big man. That, that's true. And uh, Jeremy's a big fan of the Harlem Heat theme. So uh, it's a classic. I think just slaps so hard. It's it's a. Banger. What's funny is I was working out today and I was watching some matches and I was thinking to myself. I don't remember many standout WCW themes. And I put out there on the Twitter that like other than Goldberg, other than uh, the NWO, mainly the red and black one. And then um, other than the horseman, like I, I was really curious. I was like, did WCW have any memorable themes? And there was a couple that I just couldn't put my finger on. And out of nowhere, like I just got flooded with like Harlem heat, Harlem heat, Harlem heat. And I'm like, it's an, oh, it's an elite right. song. Yeah. Yeah, that was the I one Bischoff, I missed. Bischoff has talked about the issues that they had with creating like entrance music, and that a lot of the time they had to use just generic music because of rights issues or something along those lines, or they just didn't have somebody to create the music. And yeah, Harlem Heat, man, that one just stood out to me from the from the jump. That's that's such yeah. a good theme song. Oh, on that, I think that's that's the note we're going to get out on. I know we kind of started out a little bit rough uh, because of everything that's going on, but. We're gonna go out on that Harlem Heat note, uh, Ryan. You're gonna play the music when we when we when you sign off, though. The music has to be blaring. On the I don't out. know if we have the money for that. Uh, there there might be some rights issues. <laughs> I'll see what we can do, Ryan. Thank you so much for finally joining the show. I know we've been trying to do this for a really really long time. Uh, tell the, the people where they can find you on social. Tell them about your podcast. Tell them about everything you got, you got going on. Yeah, so you guys can check out my podcast um, by searching Gully Blanchards, G-U-L-L-Y-B-L-A-N-C-H-A-R-D. Uh, like anything on Apple, rate, review, and subscribe. It's on Spotify. It's on Stitcher. Uh, the latest episode was with Britt Waters. Uh, she is a, a big media personality out in uh, Washington, D.C. There was a slight echo um, on the recording, so if you can get through that for an hour and a half, I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> um, you can always follow me on Twitter at Gully Blanchard, G-U-L-L-Y-B-L-A-N-C-H-A-R-D. Uh, there is no Instagram. There is no Facebook. Uh, the next episode of the Gully Blanchard podcast should be coming out Monday. I'll be talking to uh, Scott Fishman of the Miami Herald, a super cool guy with pro wrestling. Yeah, he's great. And uh yeah, so I'm really excited to have him on the show. Um, again, you guys can follow me on Twitter, uh, G-U-L-L-Y-B-L-A-N-C-H-A-R-D, and I'm constantly uh, trying to crack jokes and trying to pretty much entertain myself with basketball and wrestling-related things. That's that's the f- sole reason we get along 
the way that we do because <laughs> that's all the both of us are trying to do as well. Uh, again, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Everyone else, Absolutely. I appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. And for our Spotify people, hit us with that follow. And uh, YouTube, subscribe. Hit us with that subscribe. subscribe hit that button. Uh, you can follow us at Two Jabronis Pod on Twitter and on Instagram and in the BR app. Uh, you can follow me personally at Jeremy A. Loss. And you can follow Ben at Cruise Control. That's Control with a K. All right, everyone. That's going to do it for our episode today. Uh, next week, we're probably going to switch things up a little bit just because uh, Fighter Fest is on Wednesday. So we do want to sh- do a little bit of a preview for that. So we're going to record uh, Monday night. Probably release that episode Tuesday morning. Uh, and then we'll, we'll do our, our usual episode on Friday. So a little bit of a change next week, but uh, it'll be business as usual, hopefully, uh, for, for next week's shows. Uh, and with that, you know, keep staying home, keep washing your hands, keep wearing a mask. As always, Black Lives Matter. All right, everyone. Peace. Later, guys.